One of the trickiest things for people to understand sometimes is how are martial arts uh, related to self-development um, or spiritual practice. Um, and this is a question that comes up time and time again. And I can understand why people outside of the martial arts community would struggle with it. Um, but sometimes I'm confused why people inside the martial arts community struggle with it after they've been there a while. Obviously not for beginners. But sometimes I see people talking about it who've been in martial arts for 20, 30, 40 years sometimes. And I still don't think they really get the essence of, of how martial arts help you spiritually or with regards to self-development. So I want to explore that a little bit. I mean, first of all, though, we need to separate um, those two phrases out. So self-development versus spiritual development are not necessarily the same thing. Um, there's different things involved here. Obviously, they are related to one another because there needs, well, actually, there needs to be a certain degree of self-development before spiritual development arises. It's kind of like spiritual development is higher, but it is, so it does depend upon self-development. But we can extrapolate the two out into different things. So self-development is exactly as it sounds, development of the self. So anytime we're talking about um, confidence or self-esteem or efficiency of your mind or leadership qualities, you hear that talked about a lot, or, or these kind of positive traits that you would want to instill in yourself, um, uh, or, or maybe actually with regard to martial arts, a lot of people want to instill in their children, isn't it? Because a lot of the time it's children that are sent uh, to martial art classes, especially in countries like America and things. I've seen that there's a whole um, vibe of getting your kids to go to martial arts for confidence and leadership skills and, and as well as self-defense, you know. So you have all of this, uh, these kind of qualities, this all comes under the category of self-development for me. And you could apply this then to other arts that aren't martial arts as well. So anything that's trying to make you more kind or more of an ethical person or um, you know, just more capable, even studying at university or something to develop uh, a skill set or, or knowledge mastery of a subject, whatever it might be, biology, chemistry, history, whatever. These are all to me within self-development because they are things that develop yourself. Now, spiritual development is a little bit different because spiritual development ultimately means that which develops the spirit. That's it, right? That which develops the spirit. Now, the spirit and the self are not the same thing. So the spirit um, can be defined in different ways by different people. So maybe you could say within uh, Western religions, maybe they have a certain idea of spirit to do with connection to God or, or something like this. Um, or within the Hindu, Taoist or Buddhist traditions, they will also have their own meanings uh, for spirit, you know, whether it's uh, Brahman or, or, or Tao or, or whatever. But in each of these cases, spirit is something that is a little separate from the self. Now, within the Eastern arts, ultimately, spirit is usually fed through one of either two things. One of these are uh, three things, actually. One is either stillness. Stillness feeds, um, feeds the spirit. Uh, the second is absorption into uh, spirit. So the jhanic states or absorption into an object actually can feed the spirit. Even if the spirit is not directly involved in the act of absorption, absorption does feed connection to spirit. Or the third one is through alchemical or tantric type work, conversion of something within the body uh, to find spirit. So, so whatever the method is, see, there's a very strict definition for what spiritual development is. Now, if you take one of those, say, for example, I don't know, stillness. So maybe um, you are trying to use stillness to feed spirit. You could argue that um, you can only, you're more likely to be able to achieve mental stillness if yourself is fairly developed. I don't think that's necessarily an unfair argument. I think that's okay because maybe somebody who has a certain degree of confidence, mental stability, self-esteem, 
um, is comfortable within themselves, basically is able to then grow still or, or is more likely to be able to. Whereas somebody who's struggling a lot with poor self-esteem or a lot of stress or worries or fears or anxieties is less likely to be able to arrive at a state of stillness because the self is not developed enough. So they're constantly got all these worries and nagging fears. Um, and yeah, that, we could definitely argue that. So in that way, we could say self-development leads to spiritual development. Um, but again, they're not quite the same thing. So I'm very strict on terminology, not with the general public, because I don't think there's anything wrong with those terms being blurred. But with regards to cultivators, we want to understand the difference between the two. Because some things develop the self, some things develop the spirit. Now, in my opinion, martial arts training, which is really what I want to talk about, Kung Fu training, um, really is a form of self-development rather than spiritual development. Um, and, and straight away, some people have a problem with that because people will talk about martial arts as if they're a spiritual thing. But really, it's the self. I mean, if you look at the, the qualities that are being developed in martial arts training, they are those kind of qualities. Strength, confidence, which comes from self-defense, efficiency of the mind, efficiency of the body, um, leadership qualities, especially that's emphasized in a lot of, um, uh, a lot of schools. Uh, kindness, morals, ethics, these are discussed within traditional martial arts. But these are self-development qualities. Really, um, the progression onto spiritual development with martial arts, you could use it for that. But I would argue it's not the most efficient tool. You know, in the way that I could hammer a screw in, in some cases, if the wood is soft enough, but it's not going to be as efficient as a screwdriver. So you can use martial arts uh, for this because you can absorb the mind into the action of repeating the martial arts method, I suppose. But it's, it's not going to be as effective as meditation or, or something like this, you know. But now self-development um, with regards to martial arts never, is, is really where it's at. But we don't want to, in my opinion, think that self-development is unimportant um, because you don't want to ignore it. I think it's a little bit deluded sometimes to think I will ignore self-development in that sense and only do spiritual development. So I will only attempt to reside in emptiness and, and achieve this state. When you, you forget that unless you are a renunciate who's spending every waking second in a meditative state, you do have to live in your body, you do have to live in your mind, more to the point, um, you do have to interact <laughs> with people, um, and you do have to live in the world. And the self that you have, whether you correctly identify with the right layer of self or you incorrectly identify with the wrong layer of self, like most of us, it doesn't matter. That is still the part of you that interacts with the world and other people interact with. So self-development is still very, very wise, very, very important. We can't ignore one for the other. So self-development with regards to um, martial arts has a very specific mechanism behind it. Uh, and this really is what lies behind the term of Gong Fu. So Gong Fu or Kung Fu, it's, it's um, pronounced uh, sometimes, but Gong Fu uh, is made of these two terms, right? Gong and Fu. And nowadays, most people would associate that with martial arts, but it was actually only in the 20th century people started calling uh, martial arts Gong Fu, Chinese martial arts. Um, before that, actually, it went by lots of different names, but probably the one most people are familiar with is Zhongguo Wushu, meaning Chinese uh, military arts, essentially fighting arts. But Gong Fu was originally, or Kung Fu, was a term that was applied to any endeavor. So you, anybody who would master anything of carpentry or any craft, really, you know, sewing or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like anything you were putting a lot of effort into was your Gong Fu. But of course what happened was that started to be associated with martial arts and, and now that's what most people think of if you use that term. 
I don't think it's unfair to use the term Gong Fu for martial arts because I think the, with regards to self-development, um, martial arts is a very, are a very effective form of Gong Fu if you know how to use them properly. Um, and I think this is where there is a great potential in martial arts training, traditional martial arts training, but there's also a great risk in traditional martial arts training. And, and I see a lot of people get to this point. There's a certain point in the training where you'll diverge towards something that is beneficial to the self and something that is detrimental to the self. Um, and I think it's a very fine line that you tread when you get to that stage. Now, <clears throat> if we look at the character Gong, uh, what it implies is a, uh, an effort um, a, a skill or an endeavor or something that you have achieved, something that has been achieved over a period of time, something you put a lot of work into. So if I've trained and trained, that whole sort of 10,000 hours to get good at something, you know, to leave ex expertise, that would be gone, essentially. Fu um, actually implies a husband, um, amongst other things. So if you have gong fu, what it implies is somebody that is married to the skill that they are trying to achieve. So obviously through the, the metaphor of marriage, they're implying something that uh, you're very, very committed to um, and you are linked to and it is a major part of your existence. So you are essentially married to the idea of the development of skill. When the two characters are put together, gong fu, the term with both together, uh, gong fu, so essentially it means a skill that takes a long time to develop. Yeah. But it goes deeper than this. Because a gong is not just a skill, and this is something that um, I think sometimes is mistranslated, um, because a skill is something that you can learn very, very quickly. I might develop the skill of juggling, the skill of riding a bike, I don't know, or something like that. But once something becomes a gong, what it means is it has been totally ingrained into your system, like completely and utterly becomes a part of you. It's built into your energy matrix, it's built into your mind, it's built into your being, it's built into your nervous system, it's built into the plasticity of the tissue. You have become it. So when you look at very high-level uh, athletes or sports people or someone who've done these things for so long that it just looks like they're fluid and it's a part of them, and, this is gone. This is, this is, they've achieved that level, yeah. And this is really what martial arts are about. So if someone has achieved Gong Fu within the martial arts, they look very, very natural uh, when they're moving, when they're, when they're performing these sequences. Now, originally, I suppose we could argue that Gong Fu were based in fighting. And when I say Gong Fu, no, I mean martial arts, yeah. They were based in the idea of fighting. And of course, as soon as somebody picked up a stick and hit someone on the head with it, or defended themselves, or got someone and choked them out, or that was probably the start of the development of martial arts in China. Of course, that's what happened. And gradually, they started to be trained and systemized and codified, and we have a fighting system. But really, what then started to happen was we'll see, and I don't know exactly, you know, it's hard to trace history, but obviously, at some stage, martial arts got mixed with spiritual traditions, and, and monks started to practice them. They started to appear in temples, and spiritual practitioners would add them into their retreats. And, you know, and nowadays, if you think of what we associate with Chinese Kung Fu, especially, um, you think of monks and, and people like this practicing it. A little different, say, for Western martial arts, you know, boxing or or MMA or something, we don't have that sort of monkly association with them. Um, actually, we tend to think of them more with sports, don't we? Sport fighting. But with regards to Chinese martial arts, arguably, I say we think of them with regards to monks. Now, there is a reason why 
these arts were incorporated um, into, you know, into these people, this particular community of people's repertoire of training. And this was because of the nature of the Gong Fu that was attained through martial arts. Now, martial arts to the, the monks was normally used for the younger monks, the novices. Um, what would happen is the younger monks would go through the training of martial arts, and then gradually what would happen is it looks like they would evolve more towards um, more static-based words and then, and then soul meditation in the end. Um, it wasn't so many people that martial arts were practiced all the way through their life. Um, there was like this evolution. And if they did carry on practicing martial arts as they get older, often the emphasis would switch from the sort of combative self-defense side of things over towards uh, spiritual development. And arguably, I think that's where a lot of the internal martial arts uh, came from, Tai Chi, Bagua especially. Um, I know they have a martial history, especially Bagua. We know that was trained uh, for bodyguards by Dong Haichun. Um, and Tai Chi uh, has a history within challenge matches mostly, like pugilism. Um, but definitely a lot of their emphasis, and certainly from the people that came after the second generation, was almost entirely on health and spiritual development. Um, and it's funny actually that sometimes people get very insecure about that, especially in the Tai Chi world. They're really bad for it um, because often there's the vibe that you are weak if you're not practicing your martial arts for fighting. Um, and I think that's uh, a little bit of a sign of where some of the self-development has actually uh, gone, gone wrong. And I want to explore that a little bit. Now, if we look at the simplest concept in martial arts, the idea is that, uh, I mean, it's really to do with the mind-body connection. That's really what it is, right? So if you are going to take your mind, your awareness, your concentration, your listening ability, whatever it is, you know, the fluid of the mind, and you absorb it into the structure of the body, which is, you know, a lot of what martial arts are based upon, they have different ways of doing it, but the mind and the body become one. So external martial arts often, but not always, I can only generalize, uh, external martial arts are often repeating a technique, repeating a technique, like drilling it over and over again, bam, bam, bam forcing you to analyze and scrutinize every detail. This joint's not in the right place, the elbow's not in the right place, not quite fast enough, your power's not coming from the right spot. This sort of anally retentive level of detail analyzing within the external technique forces you to engage your mind all the way through the body, and that's ultimately what happens, whether you want to or not. So what happens is because the mind-body connection becomes a lot higher because of the scrutinization of technique, um, then they start to link together. So your body awareness becomes a lot higher. And we can see this in e external martial arts that don't have enough repetition, which is a very much a modern thing. You'll see a lot of that. What's happened with external martial arts like Kung Fu, Karate, Shaolin, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, or the obscure ones, you get the really obscure styles, Panther, Monkey, Fist, Combined Style, or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Often what's happened in the West especially is they found that people don't like repetition, especially the kids. So often this repetition has been taken out um, and instead what they do is just teach more forms, more forms, more techniques, definitely more forms. You know, people aren't happy unless they know 25 forms these days um, because they don't want repetition, they want something new, something new, something new. And especially in the case of kids, what they do is they incorporate games in. And I've seen martial art classes have ball games in them and things like this. And that's like 90% of the class is catching a ball um, while the teachers tell the kids don't do drugs and then the last part of it might be a little bit of martial arts and fair enough maybe for marketing purposes that's what they need to do 
it wasn't how I learned, but, but maybe that's the way things are evolving. But what you see is two things. Is one is that there's no efficiency of technique, especially in the external martial arts, because the repetition is where it's at, and, and they're not doing any, so everything looks a little bit wild. Um, and secondly, uh, there's no mind-body connection, because there's not enough time scrutinizing or analyzing the technique over and over again. So the mind is not forced into the technique. The mind is allowed to wander. And if the mind is wandering, it's not building that mind-body connection. So the gong fu is lost. Now, in the internal martial arts, uh, actually, um, you could argue there's repetition, because there is, of course. You repeat the move over and over and over again. Um, and even standing practice, I mean, maybe you could say, if I've been standing like this, does it count as repetition? Because if I stood for an hour like this, I've only done it once, right? <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? It's still a lot of time piled into one thing. So they still have the repetition. But the process is a little different. I mean, this is more to do with, if you understand much about the internal arts, listen to this, you'll know this, uh, the release of the density in the body, the release of the tension, uh, so that the mind absorbs like a fluid through the body. And this is a lot of the, what I teach, you know. Um, so the mind gets into the body, but in a slightly different way. And we can see this because the vibe is a bit different in external and internal martial arts classes. There's exceptions, but in the majority of cases, you go to an external martial art class that's very traditional, it's very militaristic. One, two, three, sweat, push, put, uh, and counting, and not much, um, not much relaxation time, you know, just bang, 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 technique, technique, technique. You go to an internal martial art class, and okay, actually, still very, very hard work. You know, I, I've been all over China, Southeast Asia, and the West doing internal martial art classes. Very, very hard work. But still a different vibe, you know. It's not so militaristic. Um, sometimes there's exceptions, but normally um, it's a lot more scrutinization of something and almost a little bit intellectual, more intellectual with the way they study something. So there's, there's a very different vibe, a little bit more, dare I say, relaxed in some ways, a little bit less like the military. And I think that... Um, that's part of the reason why people gravitate towards these different styles, depending upon what they need, you know. Now, actually, I've, I've been to internal martial art classes, Tai Chi classes, that do have the military-style approach of the external arts, you know, doing rollback one, rollback two, rollback three, rollback four. Actually, they don't, they don't really work that well. I think something is lost in that kind of training. Now, I don't think that Tai Chi should be taught really softly with lots of drinking tea and hanging around. I don't think so. But that militaristic repetition doesn't really work, you know, there's a different quality in it. Now, both of these uh, systems, external and internal, are working in different ways, but they're both trying to get the mind-body integration to take place, or that is what happens. Whether it was the original aim, or whether self-cultivators, the monks or whatever practitioners, realized after a while that this was what was happening, I don't know but they definitely saw that the mind-body connection became very, very high. And this was the basis for why martial arts became a form of Gong Fu, why Zhonghua Wushu became Gong Fu, why it became a way of cultivating the self. So the mind-body um, connection really became important because, as well as, okay, so you could say that if your mind-body connection is high, your coordination is better. Okay, so that's true. So somebody who doesn't have a lot of mind-body connection, the mind is elsewhere, thinking about other things, and not very connected to the body, they'll be a little bit clumsy, a little bit uncoordinated, that's true. So certainly, just through doing the martial arts, that goes up straight away. But that happens in dancing, that happens in all sorts of things. Um, but martial arts, there's another quality that arises as well. But I want to make clear that this is what I'm talking about from the beginning, is 
maybe not so literal, but you think of the mind being a fluid that soaks through the sponge of the body um, in the internal arts, or you can think of the mind being something that fully integrates with all the nervous system, all the way from the toes to the fingers in the external martial arts, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Um, but this is what I'm talking about, so that you're constantly aware of every part of your body and your level of control is a lot higher. Um, and you'll see this as well, like the more people train, the intent has a lot more control on the, on the body. Um, and you can, there's just a quality, it just looks alive. It's like, like, it looks like the mind is in the body. The mind has animated the puppets of the body to a far higher degree. And this kind of mind-body connection is what you're trying to achieve. Normally it takes about three years, I think, watching people, about three years. Uh, before that happens, it's almost like you start getting coordinated at the beginning and then a little bit more and then after about three years of regular training something clicks, the foundations are done for most people and now they have control of their body and that efficiency is there. This is where the Gong Fu begins. Well this is where the self-development aspect of it begins and this is where um, Chinese martial arts really come to their fore. Because the idea is you take a technique, doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a straight punch or whether it's a Tai Chi section of the Tai Chi form, or the way that you're mobilizing Qi through the, the structure, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter what it is, you're refining it. And what happens is, as you refine the body, you refine the mind. That's essentially the basis of Gong Fu. If you want to make it really, really simple, as I refine the body, I refine the mind. So, say I'm taking this straight punch, and maybe there's a little, it's like an out by an inch and my shoulder's too high and my elbow's not in the right place and the power doesn't go to the right place. What's happened is by soaking the mind into the body or bringing the mind-body connection higher and then improving the technique and improving the technique and improving the technique, refining it, 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 so each single strike becomes better. What happens is it refines the mind because the two are integrated together. The body refinement starts to polish the mind. They call it polishing a sword or um, uh, grinding a needle. There's different phrases for it in China, but essentially what happens is every time I make something better in the body, something in the mind gets better. This is why in Asia, in traditional schools, they very much don't like you doing sloppy forms. Um, so in the West, what happens is if someone's tired, they just mark a form, mark the shapes, Ugh, making sure I remember the shapes. You would never do that in a traditional school because the idea is a sloppy technique creates a sloppy mind. It's like the, the two are integrated. Because the mind and the body are one unit, because I am refining one part of me, I'm refining the other part of me. But the question is, what are you refining? What are you refining? And this is the basis of your self-development. Whatever you do with your body happens to the mind. So by scrutinizing something with the mindset of increasing its efficiency, what will happen is you will also increase the efficiency of the mind. And this is why Chinese martial arts actually became obsessed often with the development of techniques that might seem a little bit useless. Because, I mean, it's true. I mean, one of the biggest arguments that exists right now is the difference between Chinese and Western martial arts, MMA and boxing, um, especially, I suppose, versus, uh, or wrestling maybe, anything involving ground fighting, surely, um, versus Chinese martial arts. Because they say that Western martial arts are better for fighting, better for combat, you know, they make you a more efficient fighter. Chinese martial arts don't. Um, and there's this argument going on, and the Chinese martial arts are all going, no, 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 that's not true. Um, but I agree. I'm a Chinese martial arts practitioner who believes that Western martial arts are, are better for fighting. I think that's definitely true. They make you a much better fighter. Um, and then I, the feedback, I, the, the uh, sort of kickback I get from Chinese martial arts practitioner is, well, you just don't know how to use your Chinese martial arts. 
so maybe that's true. Um, <laughs> maybe. But put it this way, if I spent uh, 10 years doing a Shaolin system, and I spent 10 years boxing, the same amount of time, the same amount of effort, I have a fairly good idea that I'd be a much more efficient fighter with 10 years of boxing training than I would with 10 years of Shaolin. And the simple reason is that in boxing, you train three or four techniques. And okay, boxers are probably not going to like the sound of that, but obviously there's variations on all of those. But essentially, you've got a hook, a straight, a cross, a jab, an uppercut, you've got the footwork, you've got the head movement, but you've got a few techniques you're training, you know. And MMA is the same, not, not so many techniques, but just repeated, 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 like just getting them better. But what they seek often within Western martial arts is more speed and more power. Okay, more efficiency, true. But it's like, how do I make this technique faster? How do I make it stronger so that it does more damage? How do I increase the efficiency? So what they're studying is the efficiency of combat. And on top of that, they're getting hit, which is always a major component as well. They're sparring with each other. Because they're not training forms, they're not training a million techniques either. They're not training countless wrist locks, countless throws, 25 different ways to move your legs, crazy techniques that come from all sorts of angles and different hand shapes and things like that. All of that has been refined down to just how do I hit the person harder and faster? That's what they're training. Now in Chinese martial arts, say I do a Shaolin system, I might have 15 forms to learn, I got flying kicks, spinning kicks, butterfly kicks, front kicks, side kicks, I got elbows that come from here, there and the other, I got... There's so many different techniques you train and, and in, I would argue that the athleticism in the Chinese martial arts is often harder, but the physical conditioning is often harder in the Western martial arts. The result is that the Western martial arts generally become better fighters because they're just seeking that power and that speed and the efficiency of what they're doing. The Chinese martial artist is studying the efficiency of form quite often. Quite often they're studying the efficiency of form. So a lot of work in the air, uh, a lot of work with forms, a lot of work with repetition of technique, refining minuscule little things that maybe wouldn't need refining in order to create more power, but just to neaten everything. Uh, all of the forms are the same, the efficiency of the form, the neating of the form. But why? Why are they training this way? Would they have trained this way when Chinese martial arts were fighting? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so at all. I think that when Chinese martial arts were for fighting, before they were absorbed into the temples or before they were absorbed into the monasteries, they probably would have been more like Western martial arts. Certainly if you look at old black and white photos from the um, sort of 30s, and I know they're already in martial arts, by, in temples by then, but if you look at people who are using them in tournaments, they were built, man. They look like... They look like MMA fighters, you know, they have big shoulders, big chest muscles, a lot of tension in the body because um, they were doing their resistance training. They weren't doing forms. They weren't doing all these things. They weren't doing Tai Chi forms over and over again. They were building power, speed, and the ability to take damage. But when these systems came into the temples um, and were trained in this way, they changed a lot of forms. And forms means more techniques, you know. I mean, I remember studying Shaolin class. Um, it was a kicking class I came into, and instead of just the standard front kick, side kick, roundhouse kick, which is really your basic kicks, I remember the first class, maybe 25, there was an axe kick, there was a spinning kick, there was one that came from an angle that was here, there was, there was a hook one that came, that was a crazy amount of techniques, you know, but each one, the emphasis wasn't necessarily on power, because you weren't hitting bags, but it was on refining, cleaning, cleaning, cleaning the technique so that your body was more efficiently functioning. Now this, to me, is really where their strength lie. Because most people say, well, that's where their weakness lie, because that means it's too complicated for, for fighting. Yeah, but it's very good for Gong Fu. 
It's very good for refinement of, of what we're talking about, the mind, because when the mind and the body are integrated to one, and I keep cleaning all of these techniques, what I have is a million different techniques. So I have fluidity of ability to use my body, and I also have integration of my mind into my body and cleaning these techniques so that I'm cleaning my mind. And that's really where their strength comes in, right? So you only have to look at some of the work of the movement artists, people like Ido Portal, people like that, that I don't know a great deal about, but I've just heard some interviews with them online, you know, just hearing them talking, very, very interesting. And obviously it's not martial arts, but it's movement, isn't it? They're fascinated by movement, a million different ways to move their body. They've got all different exercises they use. And they all talk about the same. Now they're starting to, you see this thing, they'll say fluidity of techniques, freedom in the body means freedom of the mind, fluidity of the mind. And you can see this evolution towards almost what's becoming Gong Fu in what they're doing. Um, this is where it's going, you know. So, if I refine and polish the mind through these kind of techniques, then really what matters after that is intent. Because what will happen is if you have this thing that you're just training, I'm training this stance to be better, and because my mind is integrated with the stance, the better my stance gets, the better my mind gets. Then the question is, what is getting better? What are you actually improving? And that comes down to your intent. And this is the most important thing with regards to intent in, in these kind of arts. If you don't have any mind-body integration, um, and then you move your body around, you're not going to change the mind a great deal. But if you do have mind-body integration, the bigger and better your mind-body integration becomes. The more you move your body, the faster and faster you improve the efficiency of the mind. So somebody who's done martial arts for 70 years, maybe, has a massive amount of mind-body integration. All those years of analyzing these techniques, these forms, these kicks, these punches, these locks, all those years of being absorbed into the body, their intent is going to be super important because anything they do with their body is going to change the mind and, then, and bring forward the power of their intent. So they understood this within Kung Fu, within Chinese Kung Fu. So this is where Wu De come in, martial ethics, martial ethics, um, or even within something like Shaolin Temple Buddhist teachings, um, the, the uh, precepts, stuff like this, you know. So what you'll see within traditional martial arts are moral codes, things that a practitioner should be. Um, and nowadays, not emphasized so much, but in the old days, it very was. It's like you had to be kind, you had to be giving, you had to follow the teachings of Buddha if you were Buddhist, you had to follow the teachings of Lao Tzu if you were Taoist. But there, were, there was a lot of ethical teachings. Now, the ethical teachings were there so that your intent was already on those things. It's like, okay, this is how I'm supposed to be acting. That is my intent. Now, when I work on my techniques, because the mind-body is integrated, the efficiency of my body changes the efficiency of my mind. As the mind becomes more efficient, combined with the intent of the precepts or the morals, then I actually start to evolve in that direction. So then I start to refine my mind. I refine the self. And this becomes the basis of Gong Fu. Now, if you take the morals and the ethics out, so you take out the spiritual teachings, say you take the Buddhism out of the Shaolin arts, which happens, right? because Shaolin arts should have a lot of Chan Buddhism incorporated into them. But if I take all the Chan Buddhism out, what have I got? Well, it's not really Shaolin anymore. It's kicking and punching and striking and, and things, but it's not really, it's not got that, that intent. So then what happens is whatever your intent is will get better, but you've not been led by the teachings. So if you are a naturally good person, if you like, if you had to say such things, or a naturally moralistic person, then maybe as your Gong Fu gets better and you clean the body and you clean the mind, then those morals will come to the fore. So all of the things that distract you will disappear. 
if you are not a moral person, if you are not an ethical person, if you don't have that guidance, and you don't always have to just be a bad person, maybe you just don't have direction, maybe you're neutral, maybe you're like most people, where sometimes you have um, benevolent thoughts, and sometimes you have selfish thoughts, and sometimes you do things that help people, and sometimes you do things to others' detriment, like most people, that's normal, you, know, you shouldn't feel bad about that, that's just human life. If you are more like that, someone that doesn't have a, a spiritual or ethical direction, then when you refine the body, you refine the mind. But it's a bit of a sort of toss of the coin. Which one of those qualities is going to be emphasized within you? Are you going to become more benevolent? Are you going to become more selfish? Now, you would hope that as people's self-esteem goes up and their confidence, um, their fears go away and things like this go up, you would hope that this is enough to bring their benevolent qualities to the fore. But it's not always, because not everybody views life in the same way. Um, you know, and it's, a, it's an incorrect assumption to assume that just because you believe something is ethically right that someone else does as well. That's not the case. You only have to look at the argument that exists between vegetarians and non-vegetarians to see how two sides often just cannot see the other person's view. So we, we, can't, we can't assume everybody has the same standpoint, you know. Originally, it would have been the role of the traditional teacher to ensure that everybody had a sort of common ground within a, within a, a temple or within a, a retreat setting to, you know, make sure they had a, an ethical direction in life. So that must be there too for, for Gongfu to work, yeah. I would argue that um, those kind of mindsets and ideals that we use to direct and formulate the body and formulate the mind in the right way are then where martial arts come in because one of the other things that we then do is we pressure test the body which means that we pressure test the mind and there's different ways in which that pressure testing takes place and this is really what is quite unique to martial arts not many other you couldn't say the gong fu of i don't know pouring tea because there's a gong fu of tea. you couldn't say there was a lot of pressure testing in there unless you were going to pour your tea, stood on one leg for four hours and you had to pour the boiling water over your hand or something, I don't know, but normally there's not much pressure testing going on, but in martial arts there are. The pressure, pressure testing, first of all, comes from overcoming your weakness. Um, so the long stance, horse stance and lots of repetition and keep going when you're tired, learning to put up with discomfort, this is pressure testing the body to pressure test the mind. And then obviously after that pressure testing from another person. So pressure testing, the psychology of another person attacking you, the physical pressure of somebody attacking you. Can you relax under that pressure? Which ultimately means, um, can you maintain the integrity of your mental qualities, whatever they may be, while someone is trying to disrupt those things? And that's really what the fighting became a metaphor for um, in the martial arts. And again, maybe not originally, when martial arts were first formulated, they were probably like, just for hitting each other, self-defense. But this is certainly what they became once they became mixed with the self-cultivation communities. It was, can I pressure test myself? So then the fighting was the metaphor. And this is why you see people say that fighting is to end fighting. It is a phrase that comes up. You fight other people within your, your practice to end the inner fighting. And what is the inner fighting? The inner fighting is, your, is the fight that's going on inside you. Is can I maintain my moral integrity, my direction in life, my mental clarity, while someone's trying to punch me in the head? That's the question. Because what goes on, that punch is coming to us, all the little fears and, and what have you are coming up inside the mind because you know that that person could hurt you and maybe my technique's not good enough and oh shit, I should have put those extra hours practicing. And all of these things, come, that's the inner fighting. Now with regards to the rest of your life, that inner fighting comes up all the way because this is my moral code, but what are the attacks on my moral code? 
or they are the temptations, they are the desires, they are the attachments, they're the fears that if I act in this moralistic way, it's going to be at my detriment. Maybe I, the, the question comes up, should I be moral or should I go for the money? Something like this. There's a form of inner fighting. Which one do you go for? You know? But if the inner fighting is quelled, because you're used to those pressures being dealt with through pressure testing in your martial arts, then you are more likely to maintain your direction. You're more likely to maintain your, your moral compass. And this is where the self-development comes in, because the more I act in that way, act out that particular moral stance, the more that changes, that becomes normal. And then after a while, of course I wouldn't do that, because that's not who I am, and that's how the self-development builds you in the right direction. The more stable that self-development, I suppose you could argue that then it's easier to enter into spiritual development because a more stable self is more able to enable your mind to relax and go to stillness to feed the spirit. This is maybe the causation chain at a later stage. But this is really what they became about. Now, Chinese martial arts that have a lot of form work and body work and things like this, um, I would argue are better for that than Western martial arts because the mind-body integration is not quite the same. I would say on a, sometimes, I mean, I've seen people taking it that direction. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the Western martial arts went in that direction, as, uh, especially some of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, if it hasn't already, probably has, isn't it? And some of the MMA, certainly has it been around a bit longer and people have got a bit older and they don't really want to, testosterone's gone down a bit and they don't want to hit each other anymore. I wouldn't be surprised if it went that way and you saw these kind of internal principles starting to appear. But I would say that Western martial arts are probably the least efficient for it in their current state, they might change. External Chinese martial arts or Japanese martial arts, or whatever, are the next most efficient because of the repetition of technique, the drilling of front stance, front stance, front stance, front punch, front punch, it brings the mind in. And then internal martial arts are more efficient once again, um, Tai Chi Bagua, because um, they actually have a very direct way to train the fluidity of the mind soaking into the body. So that mind-body integration is a lot higher here. So the Gong Fu of self-development is going to be a lot higher on this end of the scale. But of course, that will depend on the, the teacher's take on it, because I'm sure somebody could do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in that way, and I'm sure there's people who do Tai Chi in completely an ass about face way that doesn't have that mind-body integration. So I, I'm only generalizing. Now, the Gong Fu self-development then becomes quite a major factor because the intent will, will matter. And this is why the intent of the teacher um, is vitally important. And this is where I see a difference between traditional and modern. Because if you look at a lot of older teachers, um, especially in the Asian arts, a lot of, it's only every master I ever went to, they all agree that the martial arts are about self-development primarily. So even if they teach fighting or they teach self-defense, which they need to because they need the pressure testing, you should never take that out because you have to have the pressure testing. But they, they always agree they're about self-development or health or something like this. Um, but often they're talking about mental health rather than physical. But they're talking about this, right? Now, if you see a lot of what modern people have done, they talk about, no, 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 no. Why do you, I do Shaolin for self-defense and street defense. And this is like a... a and, and, and it confuses me because I would expect... A, a younger teacher, maybe to have that kind of ideal, but I'm quite surprised when I see much older teachers talking about that. And, and it's quite funny, you see them in, in a class and they'll teach a technique and within five minutes they're, they're talking about their glory days when they once sort of killed a man down a back alley or something like that over nothing or whatever made up story they've got or, or, or this kind of glorifying violence starts to come out within their training. And To me it always seems a little bit daft, but it, it's, 
it's almost like to me that's the wrong mindset overlaced on the top of the martial arts. And if you watch their students, you will see this kind of strange um, pattern arising in them because what happens is if you have a high level of mind-body connection, art-body connection, like this is your method, this is your tool and you're integrated into it. Your, your tool, your art is the thing you're using to polish yourself, if you like. It is the, the polisher, the buffer, whatever you want to call it. Now if your polisher, your buffer, your tool is really about violence, about hurting someone or glorifying hurting someone, then that's what happens to you. That's where your mind goes. So you will see paranoia starting to arise, aggressive behavior and things like this. And, and that will actually become hardwired into their brain. They are literally building a mind-body connection and then training violence into their mindset. They are not ending fighting, they are creating fighting on the inside of them. And the problem is the more fighting that there is, the less likely they are to follow their moral path. That might sound strange, but think about it, right? Being moral is not always easy. <laughs> There's a lot of temptations in life. But if I have no inner fighting, inner calm, then I can make the decision to follow whatever ethical code I have either set myself or somebody has set for me if I'm following Buddhism or something like this, right? But if there is a lot of inner fighting all the time, what it means is my mind is used to disagreeing with others or disagreeing with itself. That's what, in, that's what fighting is, right? Disagreement. So there is inner fighting, there is inner disagreement. So then I go, there is my moral path that I'm going to follow. But actually, there's this temptation that's fighting me. Now, I can't guarantee that I'm not going to give in, lose the battle, and go down the other path. And part of the reason for that is because my training has been about creating conflict. And the more conflict there is on the inside of you, the less likely you are to be true to yourself, because you are fighting several versions of yourself. And you will see this from this kind of this kind of training. So to me, those kind of martial arts that are very um, violence-based are, are just, just wrong. Like that, that there's no, there's just literally nothing correct in them um, because they shouldn't be using such a mind-body integration method for that kind of training. I think if somebody wants to train violence, if that's their fascination, that's okay, that's fine. But they should use an art that's more based around violence, that has less forms, uh, less kind of Chinese, definitely not the Chinese martial arts because the mind-body integration is too high and that's too risky. To use something that builds such a high mind-body integration and they use it for violence is just dangerous. That's like poisoning your own well and then drinking from it. That's not wise. They should use something else, something with less mind-body integration. Now, if the, the self is cultivated in the right way, then really the mindset should be about increasing the efficiency of your art. That's it, that's the mindset. So almost all of the masters that I've trained with, the ones that I would consider really got the hang of those arts, like really got the hang of it, really they trained efficiency. So even if you did sparring practice or, or you were on the ground grappling with people, which is all good fun, at no point was there a sort of bloodthirsty attitude or you must win, you must defeat the other person. There wasn't constant ranting by the master about this is the hardest martial art in the world and it's all about fighting. It was only about increasing the efficiency of what you did. So maybe even you would analyze what you did. And like, well, you could have analyzed that. Like Ambar could have been a bit better. Or you could have relaxed a bit more under pressure here. Or refining the technique. So then the fighting became secondary. It's almost like that was, that was just the tool. The fighting was the vehicle, but it wasn't the aim. The increasing the efficiency was. So your form had to be better. Your technique had to be better. And then that's what starts to end the violence combined with the pressure from other people, end the inner fighting. 
that leads to self-cultivation, that leads to Gong Fu. And that is where true Gong Fu arises. And this was the self-development part of the art. And this is why the monks at Shaolin realized it was good for young people, good for the kids, good for the young novices, because they could use it to train that inner fighting out of them at an early stage through this mind-body tool, so that then there was no questioning of the path, no inner conflict, so then they could just follow the spiritual teachings of, of Buddha um, or whatever without any of the attachments and desires. This was self-cultivation. Now, we have an interesting phenomena arising within the Chinese martial arts. It's a very interesting time, partially because of the internet and everyone's communicating with each other for the first time in history. Everyone can see what everyone's doing around the planet. That's, that's major. Um, but also partially because of the appearance of Western martial arts. Certainly the UFC and things like that are maybe becoming popular and now spreading worldwide and there's rivals in China, I think, and all sorts. Uh, it's now these two arts are, are meeting each other. And, and it's interesting to see how many of the Chinese martial arts become very um, uh, insecure about MMA or UFC or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's like all the insecurities start coming up, which I think is really funny. Because I, I don't even like to talk about MMA or UFC particularly. I think it's kind of tacky when people do. And I'm aware of the irony um, of talking to you like this, that I'm now doing this myself. But you rarely hear me talk about this uh, or comparing them or something. And the main reason is because I don't practice those arts, those Western fighting arts. So I, I, don't really, um, I don't really have a right to talk about something I don't do, especially. I'm making a bit of an exception here. But also because what I do and what someone else do are different things and I don't really mind what other people do but definitely the the insecurity is arising in them and you see people talking about and comparing all the time and now what happens is Chinese martial artists are trying to fight MMA fighters all the time and just losing every single time as you would expect and and the ones that don't lose the very few exceptions essentially if you look at what they're doing um, they're essentially doing kickboxing or boxing or ground fighting. You don't see the actual Chinese martial arts training. So I've known Chinese martial artists who then go do some MMA to fight MMA people. And that's okay, that's fine. But you could hardly say that was Chinese martial arts you were using to do that. that it's, it's, a weird, um, it's a weird concept. So, but that insecurity in itself is a sign to me of the Gong Fu uh, not working because it's mad. There's old guys in their 60s or 70s, you know, that have been in Tai Chi for their entire life, still deviating from their path to go fight an MMA fighter, sometimes in their 20s. Already there's a mismatch there massively, and then being surprised when they lose. But, and then people make a big deal of it. It's like this guy who trains for combat and sport beats this guy who trains forms. What a shocker. Then it becomes a big scandal. That shouldn't be a scandal. That should just be expected. They're like, of course that's going to happen. The guy who trains this thing is going to be better at this thing. What is more of a scandal to me is not that the Tai Chi master lost. What is more of a scandal is that the, or more of a shame rather, I don't know if scandal is the right word, but more of an issue is the fact that the Tai Chi master was shaken from his mindset by the insecurity that he felt because that implies that he hadn't ended the inner fighting, he hadn't ended the inner turmoil. Because what would happen is if somebody who trained fighting came to me and said, I'm a better fighter than you, I would go, well, yes, I would imagine so, because you train fighting. <laughs> and that wouldn't cause any problem for me, that doesn't cause a deep insecurity, I don't mind. I can appreciate the skill um, and, the, and the power of what they're doing without it creating that thing inside where I need to prove that what I'm doing is the greatest, definitely not. Um, but maybe 
20 years, maybe even 10 years ago, maybe that wouldn't have been so easy. Maybe five years ago, who knows? I don't know, maybe that wouldn't have been so easy. Maybe that little bit of ego would have sparked up in me and I would have felt insecure about that. But actually, that's not the case anymore because that's not what I'm training, so I don't mind. Like, that's okay. I don't need to be the most instructable, uh, indestructible person ever. So why does the 60- or 70-year-old Tai Chi master feel that they have to? What is that insecurity in them that has caused them to shake from the path? To me, it means they hadn't ended the fighting, so they've never really understood Gong Fu. And that's what I mean, or they hadn't mastered it. And that's what I so say, we shouldn't really call them a Tai Chi master, but that's what I mean that I don't think everybody understands necessarily even what Gong Fu means within the Gong Fu community, within the Chinese, Zhonghua Wushu, the Chinese martial arts community, because they haven't, they haven't killed the inner fighting. Hmm? The mindset is major. If you have no mind-body connection because if you don't have an art that injures, or you always have some, obviously, or you wouldn't be able to control your limbs, but if, you don't, if you're not making that really efficient, and then you have a negative thought, an aggressive thought, it's not going to make a lot of difference to you. Maybe over a period of time it'll do it. But if your mind-body connection is really, really high, so that they are one integrated tool, um, and I shouldn't just mind, because it's not just a movement you make with your body, but I mean like mind-art integration, if you like, that the body movements are just the expression of it, but mind-art connection, then if you make your art even once about insecurity, that thought goes straight in, boom. Yeah, that's what happens, it goes in. If you make your art about money, about greed, then straight away, that's what goes in as well. Like that just integrates into your, into your mind straight away. You have created a tool for yourself to more efficiently change the way that your mind works. You must be careful which direction your mind goes. You must be very, very careful. So the counter to that, because I always want to argue with myself, there's the turmoil I haven't ended, I guess, <laughs> is, so what I'm saying is Chinese martial arts shouldn't be about abject violence, and they shouldn't really be about competitiveness. They shouldn't be about winning, either like a sports fight or, or something like that. I don't think so, um, because I don't think those qualities should be integrated into you. Um, I think it should be about, like I say, self-esteem, confidence, strength, efficiency, stuff like that, polishing, polishing the sword, polishing the sword. But at the same time, the combative side shouldn't be taken out either. The combative side shouldn't be taken out. But this is where some people don't seem to understand, is you can have a combative side to your training without having a combative obsession. Or you should be able to. And, I, and sometimes I'm surprised when people can't see this, because I train a lot of combat. I train throwing, grappling, wrestling. I train semi-combative things like push hands too. Um, I will spar, I will uh, hit bags, pads, condition the body. I like it, I enjoy it. You know, but, but I don't have an obsession with violence, not at all. It's like the two are separated for me. I don't feel the need, I don't get excited. That visceral need to dominate somebody else does not arise in me, not at all. It's more like a game um, to me. Um, so I can train fighting without having interest in fighting. Um, and that's really, um, that's really where you want to be at, for my opinion, in Chinese martial arts. Because if you take the fighting out, what you take out is the pressure testing. That's really what you're taking out. I don't care that you're, you know, some people say, well, it's dangerous to change martial arts without fighting, because then when you get in a self-defense situation, something bad will happen to you. I mean, that's almost a paranoid thought in itself. Just try to avoid fighting with people as best you can. And, you know, statistically, you'll probably be all right anyway. And, and statistically, if you get attacked, there's probably 
six of them anyway, you're probably outnumbered. And they might have a gun or a knife, depending on what country. So there's so many variables in, involved in that factor anyway that I think it's almost a, a, a null, a void argument. But um, I think more to the point, if you take the combative side out, what you take out is the pressure testing. And what you take out is the pressure testing for your mindset. Because say I have the nicest Tai Chi form in the world. I have the nicest, which I don't, but if <laughs> say I did, I have the nicest Tai Chi form in the world and the nicest Bagua form in the world. Um, and it was a really nice tool, you know. And the more I'm doing it, I'm focused on my sort of Buddhist precepts and my Taoist concepts and my philosophy. And, and it's, it's, not, it's killing the anger in me and it's killing the fear in me and it's refining it. And I'm a very peaceful, calm person. I'm very, very ethical. And, and great, it's working that way. But I'm not pressure testing it. What it means is that those mental qualities are only sustained when things are comfortable. So when life is good, I will be moral. But as soon as life throws me a difficulty, whether that be a temptation, the temptation of money, the temptation of power, the temptation of whatever, or something stressful happens, I lose my job or my business collapses or, or whatever, I don't know, whatever that stress is, when any of those things come, life is now pressure testing your mind because I haven't been pressure testing in my art. Then all of that perfect self-development, clarity, spiritual stuff I've developed will fall apart. It will fall apart. And I will see this time and time again. It doesn't matter how much of a guru you are in your own mind, it will collapse when the pressure arises. And a lot of martial arts fall foul of this. So the fighting is there to make sure that's not the case. So can I maintain the efficiency of my technique and the centeredness of my mind while I'm just about to black out from someone choking me out from behind? might sound overly violent to some, but actually once the mindset has changed, that's not even a particularly violent thing. It's in a fairly controlled space. It's okay, and, and you know, it's between partners, so we understand that uh, no one's going to die in this situation, but it's still pressure testing enough that then when those life stresses come or those temptations come, then I do not deviate from my path, and I maintain my center, and then I have gone through. And that's why the fighting cannot and should not be removed uh, from the Chinese martial. It still needs to be there. But at the same time, it's still secondary to the refinement of technique within Chinese martial arts, especially if it's an art that's based on form as much as anything. I mean, that's kind of how you see it. If it's a martial art based on form like Tai Chi, I mean, that's really, you know, you, you've already got a sign of what it is. If you take something like MMA, it's not form. You know, there's no 108 form that MMA practitioners go through. Instead, what they do is they go into a gym, they warm up, they build their flexibility, their strength, their power, they, they hit stuff so that they can take the world recoil through the body and, and they learn to do issue the power to the point of contact. And then they get hit so they're not getting sort of, well, that's their pressure testing. They're not getting thrown off their game when they're being struck. And, and then, of course, you've got people doing that for exercise, fun or fitness. But then you've got the high-level people that obviously need to win because it's part of what they're doing. But it, so what none of those people are doing is training form because they're after something else, then it's just it's a slightly different, um, slightly different tool for a, a slightly different thing. So to me, that really, in a nutshell, it was a long nutshell, I apologize, um, is really the, the meaning of Kung Fu or Gong Fu within the Chinese arts. That's what we're trying to achieve. And if I were to summarize what I think is a healthy development for someone, I mean, I, I don't want to blow my own trumpet. I have my own weaknesses. I have my own flaws, just like anybody. I'm a bit of a muppet in some aspects of my life, but fairly good in other aspects of my life. You know, like everybody, strengths and weaknesses. 
But I will say that I think the evolution of my own martial arts went through, um, my training went through a very typical path that I think I'm happy with. I think it was healthy. And that when I was first training, it was about overcoming fear. It wasn't even my choice to start training, but it was overcoming fear and getting confidence, you know, and building that. And then gradually it became an obsession with fighting, which maybe wasn't great, but was needed at the time. And then gradually there was an evolution away from that towards efficiency of technique, like that fighting went. But part of the reason that I evolved from the interest in fighting when I was younger to the efficiency of technique instead and the efficiency of the tool as a form of self-cultivation was because my fear went down. And when my fear went down of other people, I no longer needed to fight them because I wasn't scared of them. So there was no need to keep developing this violent tool that was a band-aid for my, my insecurities, so it started to fade away. And as it faded away, I was left with something else, which was the efficiency of beauty in the art as a form of self-cultivation. And then gradually what's happening is this is evolving again into an anti-aging and health thing, because I'm not that old, I'm coming up to 40, and, and, and I want something that's gonna help me age gracefully and not fall to bits by the time I'm 60. So there, there's where my, what my art is doing. It's changing for me um, as I practice. But if I had never overcome the fear from the early stages of my training. If I'd never overcome the insecurities that were inside me, that, that fear, essentially, which was fear based on interactions with other people, and other people might hurt me, or be bigger than me, or be better than me, or better at getting the girls than me, or better in business than me, or whatever it was. If those fears hadn't gone, then I wouldn't have evolved through that process. And now at age 40, my art would still be about fighting. It would still be about it, because I hadn't dealt with that. So there was no Band-Aid yet, so it's still, still about violence. And I think that's what happens. Um, I think that's what happens to a lot of martial artists when you get those guys in their 50s that are still on about killing a guy with one finger in curious ways. I think that something has gone wrong. Something has gone wrong. Um, and they would say that something has gone in, wrong in my training, of course. I'm, I'm not arrogant enough to believe that my view is gospel. I don't think so. I think that there's different viewpoints. This is my viewpoint, and they would disagree with me, of course. They would say that maybe I had taken a softer approach or wimped out, I would guess, or maybe I was a hippie or something. I don't know what they would say. Um, something offensive on Facebook, I'm sure. But to me, um, my opinion is the other way is wrong, because like I say, something went wrong for them. Maybe they didn't do something wrong. Maybe their teacher didn't help them in the right way. Maybe they didn't understand the ethical side of it. Maybe they didn't understand the cultivation side of it. So what happens was they didn't tackle that fear and then the gong fu didn't arise and then all that happens is that need to fight, to overcome people, to defeat people was still there. There was no end of fighting, no stopping of fighting. So instead of that happening, what happened is they became paranoid and then the more they trained, that trained paranoia into them. I mean, even in a curious way, in Chinese medicine, uh, the more you train like that, the tighter the tendons will become because of the relationship to the liver uh, and the blood. If you understand much about Chinese medicine, you're more prone to injuries. So you'll often see those kind of martial arts also wear knee straps and hip straps and ankle straps and they walk in covered in injuries because everything is just twanging and snapping all the time because the mindset's making them up tight, ultimately. Whereas, you know, so there's a whole host of problems uh, that come from that kind of mindset, in my opinion. But I think it has come from... Uh, the loss of the Buddhism or Taoism or ethical guidance or, or whatever, or the loss of idea of what uh, Gong Fu is. And I think that that for me is quite important to put back in. Before I finish this, I do want to put in a little caveat at the end, is that I don't believe, I'm not someone who looks down on Western martial arts either, by the way, not at all. I am greatly admirable 
of anybody who puts a lot of effort into anything, actually. I, I'm a great admirer of anything. If I see someone who's got a great skill in something that's taken a lot of hours, I'm, whether it be MMA, Tai Chi, or unicycle riding, trapeze artists, I don't care. If someone is actually in this world of distractions and, and you know, in a world where your mind is always trying to get in the way and tell you to do something else, if anyone is committed countless hours into any skill, I instantly have admiration for them, not for the achievement of the skill, because whether I like the skill or not, just the very fact that they've overcome all of that mental clutter to focus on one thing to such a high level is massively admirable, like brilliant, well done. So I, I, I'm not against, I'm not definitely not down on Western martial arts at all. Um, I just think they're aiming for something else. I just think they're different tools for um, slightly different things, but I never think one is better than the other. It's just that this is my preferred path. I preferred to follow this path because it was more useful um, for what I wanted to achieve, which was ultimately gongfu, as I see it, according to the traditional uh, Eastern arts.